Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. This is the Entree Architect Podcast, episode 99. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. So you've listened to episode 97 and you have your upcoming self-published book all figured out. You know what you're writing about. You know to whom you're writing. You know exactly how to sit down every day and, and write to create a habit of writing. Yes, you can do it in addition to being a full-time architect if you want to. You even know how to publish your book on the largest platform for selling books, Amazon.com. So if you haven't listened to episode 97, go do that first because this is part two of this series about publishing books. But putting the book out there is only half the the equation. Now that you have your book ready for the world to read, you need to get to work and let them know that it's available. This week on the Entree Architect podcast, we have the fourth in the Field Guide series and part two about self-publishing your book. This week, Eric Reinhold of 30 by 40 Design Workshop is back to talk with us about marketing your self-published book as a small firm architect. 
This episode of the Entree Architect podcast is sponsored by ArcaSnapper, a great way to create and manage field reports. Learn more at EntreeArchitect.com slash ArcaSnapper. And FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at FreshBooks.com slash Architect. Eric Reinholdt, welcome back to the Entree Architect podcast. Thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. I think you're going to have to anoint me a co-host pretty soon. Yeah, it sounds sounds good. You know, in the back of my head, I've been thinking about that. I think you and I do a good job with these, and uh, I like it's our conversations. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, just for anybody who doesn't know Eric Reinholdt, this is our fourth in a series of uh, field guide podcasts, basically talking about business and all different things. In our first episode, episode 84, we basically talked about startup design businesses and building and branding and marketing startup design businesses. That was episode 84. Episode 89, we talked passive income for small firm architects. And just a couple of episodes ago, in episode 97, uh, we talked self-publishing, putting together your own book and how to get that thing published and out to the world. Um, Eric is the uh, is an architect, and he's the founder of Thirty by Forty Design Workshop. He, he's based up in Maine, in Mount Desert. Uh, he has um, actually dessert. I always say that wrong. Mount Desert. That's right. Um, and uh, he's a modern architect. Uh, he's written two books: uh, Unofficial Guide to House dot com uh, and the Architect and Entrepreneur Field Guide for Branding, Building Branding and Marketing Your Startup Design Business. Uh, and you can find all that stuff on his website at 30by40.com and uh, writes a great blog. He's also putting together his third book, which we may get into a little bit here. Uh, if not, I'm sure he'll he'll let us know when that thing's ready to roll. Uh, and we'll talk about that some more. But um, we're not going to get too deep into his origin story and where he came from and how he designs residential modern architecture on a small island in Maine. How does he get all that done? Go back to episode 84 and he talks all about his origin story. Um, this is the, uh, we're going to talk about marketing your self-published book. So last episode, we talked about, you know, how to come up with the idea for your book, um, how to write your book, how to create habits for writing, how to, how to actually get the book done, um, and how to publish it, how to get it all together and, and put it out on Amazon and, and get it out into the world. So we talked all about that in episode 97. Today, there's a whole nother world. After you get it up there, you got to tell the world that you have a book and you need to kind of get them there and, and, and get them to buy it. So how do we do that? That's, that's marketing. And Eric's going to talk to us today about how to do that next step, how to create marketing and how to create strategies for, for selling that book. So Eric, welcome again to the, to the podcast and uh, let us know how, to, how do we go from once we get it published, what do we do next? Well, it's good to be here, Mark. Uh, thanks for that introduction. Um, I thought I'd kind of just start the marketing discussion uh, by reminding people that you know the marketplace is a huge factor in this whole thing. And so we've already talked about uh, you know establishing um, our book on the Amazon marketplace because they own basically sixty percent of market share um, in the digital book business. Um, there's also the iBook Store, which is you know run by Apple. They hold about twenty percent. And then, of course, Barnes & Noble holds 15%. And together, they account for 95% of all digital book sales in the U.S. So obviously, we're going to focus our efforts on the Amazon platform. And to do that, um, you kind of have to understand the rules of that marketplace. Um, and so Amazon has 
has a couple of really important ones that I like to start with. Um, and so first of all, you need to know that sales on Amazon equal relevance in their search engine. So, you know, if you figure Google, as you're searching Google, you're coming up with topics and relevance is determined in Google's search algorithm by, you know, how people use the site, how long they're there, um, how many backlinks are there. But on Amazon, what they care about is how well a book sells. So if your book is selling well, they're going to promote you. Uh, higher in the search rankings. And that's kind of, you know, that's obviously what you want. Now, there's a window into figuring out how well books are selling on Amazon. You can look at what's called the BSR or bestseller sales rank. And so it, as you look at, um, you know, if you choose any book on Amazon and you click down in the description, you'll see a number and it'll say the sales rank number. Uh, the lower the number, the better. And on Amazon, they categorize digital books with their own sales ranks. Physical books have their own sales ranks. And then products obviously have their own sales ranks. So you can be number one in the Kindle bookstore uh, with, a, with a sales rank of one, and you're selling many thousands of books a day. Um, so obviously, you want to be uh, on the lower end of the sales rank. Now, to do that, and obviously, you can, as you look at these books, you know, if you see a book uh, with a sales rank of 100,000, between 50 and 100,000, you can figure that those books are selling, you know, roughly one book per day. So, as you sort of triage where you're going to place your book, how you're going to categorize your book in Amazon, you want to pay attention to those rankings because obviously, you want to be, you want to place your book as a new author into a category where there's not as much competition. So, you know, obviously a, a, a category that has sales rank books of, you know, 100,000 plus, that's a pretty good category as a new author to start exploring. So that's another thing that you need to pay attention to on Amazon. Uh, the next thing is that the top three positions of any keyword or category is actually where 50 to 60% of all the sales in that um, keyword or category come. So you really want to be in those top three positions. Um, and so that's all part so, of figuring- So 50% of the books sold in that category go to the top three in the ranking. That's right, yeah. So this kind of fits into our marketing strategy, like, okay, we have to figure out where we have a, a niche with that has decent traffic, but also low competition, because you wanna be in these sort of bestseller ranked categories. And if you notice, as you're browsing on Amazon, just shopping for books or anything, they have a list of the sort of top 100 bestseller uh, products in those categories. You want to be in as many of those as you possibly can because with marketing on Amazon, you want them to take over the marketing for you. They have they've built this great search engine and this great marketing engine for you. All you need to do is kind of tap into that. And and so these are some of the ways that you can do that. Um, the next one that's really important, and everyone's probably experienced this, are reviews. Um, so as you're thinking about how to market your book, you want to be looking for ways to get you know, positive reviews of your book. This is you know, social proof. It's honest feedback on you know, how good your, your book is, what, what a great work it is. Um, and so once you get to a certain threshold, and on Amazon it's roughly 20 reviews, Amazon steps in and they start taking over the marketing for you. They'll actually even buy product listing ads on Google for people searching for keyword terms related to your book. So once you get to some of these magical numbers, you know, these sales rank, these, these good sales ranks, um, you know, you're ranking for keywords and categories, Amazon steps in and says, oh, wait, this must be a good product. This must be a good book. And we're going to help you push that. And once Amazon does that, 
you start appearing in more and more searches and then more people buy it and you can see that it kind of it has this cascading effect where you know p more people are buying and more and and so it's that's the kind of promotional engine you want to tap into so the more um, you sell the more you sell that's right <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Now there are, you know, there are other ways obviously outside of Amazon that we can start driving traffic to Amazon. And you know, as we think about when to begin marketing a book, the ideal time is really while you're writing it. Um so you want to start, you know, thinking about marketing while you're while you're just beginning writing, you know, who can I who is this for? Um start thinking about who you can contact, what who in your network, you know, would this appeal to and how can you enlist their help um, and so as you're writing the book you're you're thinking about those things and and it's never too early to start building an email list and this is a strategy that sort of extends beyond just selling books but also to your firm in general if you can build an email list around you know an interested group of people people who are your fans you have then a channel that you can begin using to market um, and speak, you know, you have a conversation with these people, start speaking to them, and then you can begin the marketing process for your book or any other product that you develop. Um, so that's a good sort of early step as you're writing your book to, to begin building this email list and really crafting the content for the people that you're going to be promoting it to. Now, once you have your, um, your book already uploaded to Amazon, you want to make sure you're creating um, you know, a listing that's worthy of promotion. And so on Amazon, that consists of a couple of things. And we talked about this a little bit last time, but it's worth repeating. A good cover design is really important. You're, you want to basically remove the barriers for a prospect contemplating the purchase of your book. You, know, you want to make it look as professional as you possibly can. And also, you want to remember that it's going to be viewed at a really small size. So as you're you know, browsing books on Amazon, they're just thumbnail images. So you're not looking to sort of convey the entire content of the book in a small thumbnail image, but you want to make it graphically bold. You want to make it stand out, um, you know, be recognizable. And I like using sort of bold text. That's a sort of simple hack, a simple shortcut for doing that. But your cover design really needs to sort of be bold and be recognizable. Yeah, if you go on Amazon and you search the ebook store, the Kindle store, um, you'll see the difference. It'll it'll scream at you uh, the books that are designed well and the ones that are not designed well. And you, and take note of how you feel about those books and whether you would uh, trust those books and whether you'd buy them or not. So, cover right. really, really really makes a difference. It does for sure. Um, the second thing on Amazon, you know, creating a, product, uh, a listing worthy of promotion, the second thing is to write a compelling description. And, you know, you want to treat this sort of like a problem solution, almost like an FAQ, uh, you know, frequently asked questions. You want to present the problem and then you want to offer your book as the solution. You want to basically tell a reader what they can expect. You know, how is this book going to solve the problem that they have? Because basically, nonfiction books solve problems. Um, they also inspire, and we can talk about the sort of different types of books that that you may write as an architect. But you know, fundamentally, it's solving a problem for your reader, um, and you want to make them sort of emotionally connect with the pain point that your book is addressing. And so a good description is really a requirement there. You want to keep them on that sales page as long as possible. The longer they stay there, the, you know, the better chance you have of converting them into a sale. Um, and then the final thing is the author page. 
Um, and for the author page, um, you want to create a bio. You want to add a picture, basically, of yourself, um, and you want to link your social media channels. You know, your Facebook and your Twitter, um, and you know, you want to think about Amazon, your author page, almost similar to your house profile. Um, you know, where house is more willing to promote you uh, if you've taken the time to create a convincing and legitimate profile. So those are the things that really comprise, you know, a getting your listing right on Amazon. Then you're ready to take it to, you know, the sort of next step, which would be, you know, your network of contacts. This would be, you know, referral or network marketing. So as we get into network marketing, I, I want to talk a little bit about, about that and how we, um, you know, because you mentioned building an email list. And I think that's really important. Uh, like you had mentioned, not only for your book as you develop your book and, and, and get ready to market it. Um, but email lists are incredibly useful for your firm as well. And, and those are different audiences. So just keep that in mind that if you're not writing for your clients, which you may be, um, but if you're not writing for your clients, then you're, they're two separate email lists. Um, but but the, uh, the strategy of building an email list uh, and then using it to market whatever you're promoting is a, is a great one. So Eric, what are your thoughts on, on how to do that? What's the best way to start getting people on your list? Well, I, I, it really does depend on you know who the target audience is. Obviously, if you're writing for other architects, there are you know, there's different ways of, of doing that. You know, if you're writing uh, for your clients, which I think you know probably most architects w- would be doing, you're yeah. you're basically taking your brand message and you're in, you know turning that into a product, which you're going or a series of products, which you're hoping to sell to them. And so I think you know the way I've approached it is on my website, I you know, basically put lead magnets, which are, you know, content information that I'm offering up for free to people um, as an incentive to give them, give me their email address. Um, And so I do that if on a certain piece of content, if I'm writing a post on wood stoves, you know, maybe I have a lead magnet that says, you know, 10 things an architect looks for when they're shopping for a wood stove. And I just actually recently did this for a video that I recorded. Um, and so as I'm writing this content, uh, which is building out the content for my website, I'm also providing a, a means for people interested in that content to sign up to an email list. Then anyone who signs up, you know, using that page, I know they're interested they're very interested in wood stoves. They're probably interested in, you know, maybe renovating a house. Or I think the idea is to take shape the lead magnet to capture the customers, the people that you want on your email list. So if that is, you know, twelve reasons to renovate your home, or if it's, you know, ten ways to, um, you know, design an ADU so that it meets the St. Louis building code, whatever, whatever it is, it should be really focused and really targeted at the people you're courting, the people you're trying to bring into your business. That way, the email list that you build is then you know it's comprised of people who are interested in what you're what you're talking about. Yeah, and those those lead magnets are typically. You know, PDF files that are automatically emailed when somebody clicks on and requests those lead magnets. They give you their email address, and the, the a company like Aweber or Mailchimp, those companies then automatically send an email out to whomever uh, clicks on the link and sends the email address. It all happens automatically. It's not something that somebody clicks and then you have to send them something. It, it's all automated through these companies. That's right. Yep. 
let's take a quick break here to say thank you to Arca Snapper and FreshBooks for their support as platform sponsors of Entree Architect. As a platform sponsor, each of these companies have provided funding and support for our overall mission to become an influential force in this profession of architecture. They recognize the need for small firms to build better businesses in order to be better architects. ArcaSnapper is a simple tool for creating and managing field reports. With ArcaSnapper, architects can draft reports right on site using their phone or tablets. ArcaSnapper is easy to use and saves a lot of time. I put ArcaSnapper to test myself and I love it. Once I set it up and understood all the features and how it works, it has become a part of my regular workflow at project meetings. I take notes, shoot photos, sketch my thoughts right on the photo, and it's all automatically uploaded to the cloud. And when I get back to the studio, I log into my desktop, click the button, and my field report is ready to go. ArcaSnapper. Grow your business instead of struggling with field reports. If you want to learn more about ArcaSnapper and get a free 30-day trial, visit entrearchitect.com slash ArcaSnapper. And FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help us small firm architects get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. It takes care of invoicing, expense tracking, uh, estimating, reporting, and it all happens out in the cloud so you have access to all of your information from anywhere you have access to the internet. And listen up here. Are you listening? Because this is special. I've asked FreshBooks to join me on video to show us around the product. I know that once you see how easy it is to set up and how simple it is to use, you will convert to FreshBooks, like I did. Tim Lee of FreshBooks and I are producing a series of videos and the first video is available now at entrearchitect.com slash freshbooksvideo. entrearchitect.com slash freshbooksvideo. And when you're ready to give FreshBooks a try, just go to freshbooks.com slash architect and sign up for your free 30-day trial. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So, you know, as I think about other sort of basic classifications of marketing channels, there's obviously the referral or network marketing channel, which consists of your existing network, you know, friends, family, colleagues. Now, your colleagues may be well positioned to help you promote this as other architects, um, but your friends and family, mm, probably less effective. They may promote sort of anything you create. So that's a sort of good basic step. And I think, you know, you can sometimes rely on those people to help you write reviews and reach out to other people in their personal networks that may have relevant contacts. But for the most part, I think you want to move on to the more sort of complex things within the referral or network marketing categories, which are things like email lists, which we just talked about. Um, so you're building a network of contacts and people you can talk about um, with the content, you know, propose the content for your book to, send them free chapters, you know, tell them about the, ask them for feedback on the title, the cover, things like that. You know, you're creating this network around you that you know is pretty interested in the topic that you're writing about. So that's this a is great- This is happening while you're writing, before you publish. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Kind of pulling back the curtain on what you're doing. Yep. Um, and, and sometimes what that can do is actually help make the product better. And we'll get into that as we get a little further down this list. There are, there are actually even better ways to do that too. 
the next thing um, is sort of affiliates, and this is sort of recruiting people to act as your affiliates. And a lot of times, you know, that can be sort of close colleagues, people that have you know network connections very similar to your own. And um, you know, a great affiliate program to leverage is the Amazon Associates affiliate program. And obviously, if you're selling a book on Amazon, if you can recruit some of your colleagues, your friends, and family to act as Amazon Associates for you, they can sort of take the link the affiliate link for your book and promote it out to all their channels and say, hey, you know, a friend of mine just wrote this book. I think you'd be interested in it. And so that can act as a, as a good way to sort of repay them too for helping you promote the book. So they obviously get a commission on the back end if they convert a sale and, um, and you're leveraging their extended network to help you sell the book. Um, and obviously, if you're not selling on Amazon, there are options like eJunkie and Gumroad, and they have affiliate programs too. So you can you know, reach out to your contacts and leverage, uh, you know, create a new affiliate relationship. Because you know, Amazon isn't the only place that you could sell your book. Once you create the book, you could, obviously, you could sell it on Gumroad very easily. And you know, using their affiliate program to, um, to compensate people who help you to sell that, that, bo that book is a great way of you know, selling more copies. Right. Um, so, so eJunkie and Gumroad are two companies that, that you can sign up with and they allow you to sell the product through their, their programs. Um, you can set it up on your own website so somebody can click buy the book here and it'll send you, they'll send them through that process on Gumroad or eJunkie and it will automatically send them the, the, uh, the, they'll automatically process the payments and sell them the book. Um, also, I, I don't know if eJunkie has it, but I know that Gumroad has their own marketplace as well. And so um, you can also sell your product through their marketplace. That's right. Yep. I mean, with all those, I think they're secondary channels, but yes. they are yeah. you know, things that you can leverage, obviously. You want to be on Amazon for the most part. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify then, what those were. Sure. Yep. Yeah. So the next thing um, is something that I use, I'm currently using, um, and I've, a lot of self-published authors have sort of innovated this technique, and it's called a street team. Um, I call mine something a little different, but basically the concept is you're going to grab a group of your closest fans. Now, if you have people who have read a previous book of yours, this is a little bit easier to do. But people who have signed up to your email list and have emailed you back, people who have, have been engaging you, you've been having a conversation with them, the idea is to sort of recruit them into an inner circle of close colleagues, friends, that can help you make the content of your book better. And uh, basically you're, acting, you're asking them to act as an affiliate of sorts, but you're giving them some parts of the book, let's say a free chapter. Maybe you're teaching them something that the book teaches. You're using them as a case study. Um, and that's kind of how I'm using it right now to teach people the concepts in the book. And in return, they offer me feedback. They try out some of the things. They say, oh, this doesn't work for me or you know, this sentence could be better or this topic really isn't fleshed out here. And so not only is it a way to get them to help you promote the book you know, on launch day, they're going to promote it using their social media channels. They're going to write reviews for you. They're going to be an advocate for you. But it's a way to make the book better. It's a way to make them more engaged in the process. And, and people who contribute to this kind of a process have more ownership over your product. I mean, they're, they're sort of treating your book like it's their own. They've helped to make it a better thing. And these street teams um, can, can really be used to great effect, especially on a launch day, to help you, you know, rock it into, you know, um, a new and noteworthy category, something that's, you know, best-selling category, because you basically 
create this coordinated effort. Um, you know, you set up a plan beforehand and create a coordinated effort to promote everything at the same time. You know, everyone's tweeting about it, everyone's writing Facebook posts, they're linking back to it, and suddenly there's this sort of buzz around the book that um, feels sort of contagious, like almost like you want to share. You know, oh wow, I've seen this shared in my social media posts. You know, four or five times today. What is this? And so those street teams can really be a great sort of marketing channel for you to leverage. It can um, also very quickly help you get those 20 reviews that you were talking about that Amazon is looking for uh, in order for them to start kicking into those promotions as well. That's right. Yeah. Now, Amazon has started kind of cracking down on this a little bit lately. So um, I think it, it makes sense to have, you know, in the past, I've done this where I've gifted the book to people in a sort of inner circle. And I said, you know, I'd appreciate an honest review on this book. If you can leave it on the launch day, that would be great. Um, Amazon has sort of t tuned into this and there's been a lot of programs where you can actually buy reviews on Fiverr. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, they're trying to maintain the integrity of the marketplace. They want people leaving honest reviews. So I think the most important thing is, um, you know, if you can have people on your street team buy the book, and we'll talk about a launch strategy, which will make that maybe more possible. Um, but if you can have them buy the book and then leave the review at a sensible time frame. I mean, obviously, the day that it's launched, if you're launching a 500-page book, it's unlikely that someone's going to have read a 500-page book on launch day. So right. you kind of have to be smart about it and just think how that's going to look to you know someone contemplating buying your book. Um, but I think it's totally legitimate to, to ask for you know, an honest review of the book uh, from people who have been engaged in helping you create it. And and they'll give a great perspective that I think, you know, a typical reader may not have access to. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about in referral or network marketing is sort of the obvious one, and that is social media. You know, you have YouTube, you have Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest. I mean, the, the list just, it's pretty huge, obviously. Um, but the way I like to use these posts is to kind of share a behind-the-scenes look at the making of the book um, process. You know what I'm working on. Maybe there's some cover photo, um, you know, cover designs I'm contemplating. Just trying to engage people, be social. You know, social media. So you know, solicit feedback on your ideas. Um, there's a couple of hacks that I also like to use, and that is to use like pinned posts on Facebook or you know pinned tweets that stay at the top of your your Twitter profile. And those are ways of just you know when people are interacting with your profile, they're always seeing a sort of finely tuned marketing message. And you know people who are just liking your Facebook page, just you know getting engaged with your brand, they're going to click on those things, and so they can be a great way to convert uh, a fan into a customer, basically. Um, then there's sort of more higher level services that integrate with social media like Thunderclap. I don't know if you've ever used that. but um, I haven't used it, but I've heard about it. Yeah, so that's sort of like a coordinated social media effort where you get everyone to tweet about your book at the same time. I haven't experimented with this, Mark, um, but there's obviously, there's so many of these things that you can test and try that it, it kind of brings brings up the idea like, well, what do I do? <laughs> you know, like, which one of these do I choose? Right, and, right. you know, my advice is to kind of pick something yep. and dig into it and see how it works for you. For me, street teams are working right now and they're providing me good feedback and I feel like they're making the books better. And they're also reaching out um, into the marketplace in ways that I can't do. Um, and I also find 
obviously that social media is a pretty simple thing to do. Once you set that up, if you set up a Facebook page, you know, the little call to action button at the top of the, your Facebook profile, shop now, like that's an easy, you know, link to your Amazon page. So some of those things are, are pretty easy, easy to do. Um, you know, then we get into the, the sort of deeper level, the sort of more work um, of content marketing. And, you know, what you and I are doing right now, podcast right. recording, um, that's, that's a form of content marketing. Um, so podcasts in particular, they're really, you know, niche focused um, and they're a great way to access a community of really engaged um, of people that, that you can use to, to market your, your products to. Right. Um, Podcasts are very, very effective, but a lot of work. It takes, <laughs> takes a lot of effort to coordinate interviews like this and then to actually publish that, that episode and edit it as necessary and get it up there and do it on a consistent basis so you have an audience that, that is interested in following what you're doing. Uh, very, very effective, but, but just be warned that it's, it's not as simple as recording uh, a conversation and pushing a button. I um and I totally appreciate this fact that um <laughs> that I'm leveraging your audience mark yeah, and I think you know you know authors can do that and I think uh, you know as as someone who doesn't have his own podcast I'm able to go to different podcasts and talk to the the hosts and say hey I have a you know I have a book I've just written a book I think your audience would be really interested in it make a proposal and you know, so as an author, an outsider to the podcasting world, I'm able to step into this and you know use that as a marketing channel. Yeah, so I and, think that's and that's that's why the network marketing part of what you're talking about, building these relationships with people over time, is so important because you don't know what you're going to do. And you and I have connected through the networking. I do a lot of that networking. You do a lot of that networking. We kept bumping into each other online. And we, you know, we've, we've followed each other. We've become friends. We know what's going on with each other. Uh, and so at that, when it's time to talk about things like this, um, I'm leveraging you for your information for this, this field guide series. And you're leveraging my audience for, for what you are promoting and what you're doing. And so it's helping both sides and it works right. really well. Yeah, absolutely. I think guest posting, you know, other forms of content marketing, uh, you know, guest posting on other websites and, you know, like posting on your own website. Um, maybe you're guest posting on Art Daily or Apartment Therapy or whatever it might be. Um, those are channels, again, that you're tapping into. You're using a larger audience, uh, relevant audience to bring viewers back to your material, your content. Um, and hopefully converting them into a sale. Um, the the last one that I wanted to talk to, talk about with content marketing, and I feel like everybody should have this as a part of their website anyway, is a resource page. And this resource page is, lives on your website, and it's basically you know all the resources, things that you've created, resources for clients, customers, you know whatever your business model is. It's a page that has all this information, and you know even if they're products that you haven't created. Maybe you sort of um, curate your book alongside another series of books that are that are relevant about Passive House, for example. Um, you know, you're an author, uh, and then there are three other books that are you know authors of Passive House books. It helps to sort of correlate your expertise, sort of prove your authority in a field, um, and then also if you're using affiliate links, it also helps to generate a little extra you know revenue for you. Um, so I think that's a really good way of you know working at a high level and really being thoughtful about how you're marketing um, your material 
to people. You know, make it relevant, make it helpful, make it useful. That's that's the sort of mantra that I, I abide by. Yeah, I, I love the idea of the resource page, and I and I, and I like the idea of positioning your book with other uh, books of similar topics that already have that authority that people already recognize their names and the topics that they're writing about and putting your book right there next to them uh, elevates your authority as well, just visually by having them you know, side by side. That's right. You know, the other thing that's kind of cool that that does is if someone clicks on your book um, or someone clicks on another book that's in that similar category and they, you know, if enough people do that over time, Amazon starts to learn, oh, hey, this guy's book is related to this other book on the same topic. And so there again, you're kind of tapping into this referral engine and, uh, you know, you really want Amazon on your side when it comes to those things. So those can be really powerful connections. They're subtle, but they're really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, very, very interesting the way that, that, uh, Amazon works and the way that, that we can, build our audience. Is there any other uh, steps to, to know about? Well, I think, you know, that there's obviously a lot embodied in sort of all of those steps and taken together. That's a ton of work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I kind of wanted to maybe paint just a sort of simple launch strategy. Yeah, that I think anybody... that would be a great idea I, because that was one of the things I was thinking is that <laughs> this is overwhelming. You know, okay, I've written this book. And now I got to publish it and I have to do all of these things and I need to be uh, an architect and run my architecture firm and I need to be a dad or a mom. Yeah. There's a lot going on. How I Forget this right, book writing thing. I'm not going to do this. It's too much work. But it's not. Um, if you go back to the last episode, it's not that difficult to write it. Um, and I would love to know what what is a simple strategy? What should we focus on? What's the most critical pieces of this process that we really need to do in order for this to work? Right. Okay. So I, I think, you know, the, the sample launch strategy that I would propose that is, um, I think, easy to get started with, um, but you're, it's still going to take some experimentation. The, the thing that I would recommend is when you're first releasing your book to release it as free, which sounds totally crazy. Um, yeah, a little counterintuitive. Yeah. Until you start thinking about how this sort of Amazon referral engine works. So if you release your book as free, um, obviously more people are going to be downloading this book. It's pretty easy to say to the street team that you have built around you, right, um, or your network of friends and colleagues, yep. hey, can you go download this book? And in Amazon eyes, you know, downloading a free book is a little bit different than a paid, paid book, and so they keep separate rankings, but it's still considered a purchase. And so this is the thing that <clears throat> you want to... You, you want, when someone leaves you a review, you want the book to appear as though they've purchased it. And so if you grab a whole bunch of people in your close network that are able to download your book on the day that you release it as free and then start helping you by, you know, reviewing the book, they're going to look and they're going to appear as verified reviews. Now, we want honest reviews. We're not looking for people to lie about the content of the book. Really, you want honest reviews. So try and keep it focused to people who you know, are really the target market for the book. But if they're leaving reviews here, now Amazon suddenly notices, okay, launch day, there's a whole bunch of people downloading this book. Yes, it's free. Okay, we understand that. Um, there's people reviewing it. There's a buzz about it. There seems to be a buzz about it. Now your book is starts to get ranked in the free categories in within architecture or whatever you know whatever subcategory you've placed the book in. So I recommend doing that for a couple of days. 
after a couple of days there, you've got some momentum behind the book. You're going to take it and switch it over to a paid program. Started at 99 cents. Now, during that transition, you know, I recommend doing it at like sort of 3 p.m. Eastern. You would do this manually. And that sort of captures the time period in the U.S. when the most number of people are shopping on Amazon. So what happens is it's, your book is still appearing in the free category. So pe- lots and lots of people are still downloading this, you know, uh, seeing this book. When they go to click to buy it, they see it's 99 cents. Well, a 99-cent book is basically free, I think, to most people. So yeah. then that transition point starts to help you build momentum in the paid rankings, which is really important, obviously. Now, you can keep it there sort of for a couple of days at the 99-cent level build some more momentum, and then slowly graduate the, the price up to whatever your target price is. Now, I, depending on the length of the book, you know, I like to shoot for the $9.99 price range. And we talked about this last time. The $2.99 to $9.99 price range offers you the 70% royalty. So that's kind of the sweet spot on Amazon. They want you to sell your book, based, that digital book, basically within that range. So I shoot for the higher end of that because, you know, you've put time and work and effort into this, you want to recoup as as much as you can out of it. And so as you transition it up there, the sales will come down for sure, but you will have built enough momentum in this referral engine and hopefully enough reviews that Amazon will sort of take over the marketing for you. That's the thing that we're trying to tap into here ultimately. It's your network and your other contacts and all those things are secondary to Amazon's referral engine because you know they're they're the ones who are doing sixty percent of the digital book sales in the U.S. Like that, you can't compete with that. It doesn't matter how big your network is; you're not going to be able to affect that kind of you know marketing force behind your book. It's just not it's not going to matter. So that would be my recommendation for a super simple strategy yep. for getting your book propelled. Into I have a question. The sales rankings. The, so if you're going from free to ninety nine cents and ultimately to nine ninety nine. Do you do you do that incrementally up to nine ninety nine, or do you just go from ninety nine cents to nine ninety nine? No, I would do it incrementally um, because w- one of the things that you're trying to do is kind of gather sales data yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not that you don't already have enough to do, but I like to track the sales sort of daily. So I have you know a, a thing that I do at the end of the day where I look at the previous day's sales, and so I can look at how prices may have changed or been affected. And as a new author, you're just trying to gather all this information um, and try and, you know, help you make the best decision possible. Your book, you know, the best price for your book may not be $9.99. You know, there may be some other price anchor. But if you don't experiment with it along the way, you you really have no way of knowing that. So I would recommend sort of taking small jumps. Now, if you're, when you're, um, you know, giving the book away for free, basically, you can't do that for more than five days, and I'm not. I wouldn't recommend doing that for more than five days, really. You need know, a couple of days at the most, um, and then start transitioning it to the ninety-nine cents again. A couple of days, and then start ramping it up over you know a week's time, um, and and see how sales change. And you can create a marketing plan around this, so you can basically just write maybe in an Evernote and say, okay, it's going to be free for two days and then it's mm-hmm. going to go to 99 cents and we'll have it at 99 cents for two days and then you can incrementally move it up but then also in your marketing you could start saying that you know yes. for two days my book is free it's ultimately going to be xyz number but it's you know it's today it's free so download it before um you know this date and then there's a deadline and then that way you'll get more people to get 
over there and do it. And then when it goes to 99 cents, you could say, okay, it's 99 cents, you know, and it's only going to be 99 cents until Thursday. That's right. And then that way yeah. you can kind of create some momentum, you know, create some urgency that, you know, you're not going to get it for 99 cents after this date. So you want to get over there and do it. And so uh, that'll help you get more downloads and more sales. Right. And you, and you can kind of, you know, you want to baby your list. You know, the people who have signed up to your email list, if you have one, treat them right. You know, say, hey, look, I'm giving this to you guys for free or 99 cents or whatever you decide it is. You know, let them know. Give them the inside track. That's a benefit for being on your email list or a benefit for liking your social media account, your Twitter pay, your Twitter profile or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think there's ways to kind of be a little ninja about it and um, and make it fun for people too. So you had said that the there's an issue with, with um – Create, using your street team for reviews if you're giving the book away. That's so, right. so is it good to wait until the 99 cent uh, purchase starts happening before you encourage them to start writing those reviews? Are those reviews more valuable in the in the rankings? You know, I don't I don't have any published data on that, Mark. I, I don't know as far as as far as I know, there's a difference between a verified review that is someone who's bought, you know, purchased your book. And like I said, Amazon considers a free download as a purchase. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference between that and an unverified review. That is, you know, someone say, if you don't have the digital rights management set up on your Kindle book and someone loans your book to someone else, they could leave a review on it. So that's an example of an unverified review or it's some, a colleague of yours who you lent a physical book and they could also leave an unverified review. They are, you know, those reviews have a lower, much lower waiting in the review algorithm and that's the thing that you know when you search for a book you're looking at the star rating it's mm -hmm. a star rating between one and right. five um even if someone leaves you a five star rating if it's an unverified review next to no weight at all right. so right. so the um, free the free downloads still count they so count so as long as it's as long as they download it off the amazon system then they're they're seeing on their end that it's a verified that somebody has has purchased the book, whether it's free or 99 cents or whatever, and then have left a review after they've done, done that download. So that, that, that's where that ranking, uh, the wait for the wank, ranking starts, starts working. That's right. Yeah. Now, another way to do it, and, and this is what I'm experiment, experimenting with now, is to have the person on your street team leave the review. You know, you basically buy the book. When they leave a review, then you'll offer to send them a gift card to sort of, you know, Say, look, I'm, I really appreciate that you did this. I appreciate you're a part of my street team. I appreciate the valuable feedback that you've given me. But it, that in no way links you to sort of paying for a review necessarily. You know what I mean? Um, leave an honest review for me. When you do that, I don't, I don't care what the review, if it's a one-star review, I don't care. I'll send you, I'll reimburse you for the cost of the book because I appreciate the help that you've given me along the way. So that's, that's another way that, um, you know, where you don't have to act necessarily offer the book for free. I do think as a new author, the sort of free to pay, you know, transition is really important. Once you've established your authority uh, in the marketplace, I think it's, it's fine to, you know, release your book as a paid product. You already have a group of people who are following you and, you know, as if we get into some of the higher level techniques, if you have a series, a book in a series, you're releasing volume two in the series, Amazon again, they're going to do the promotion for you. You basically, 
you know, told them, hey, this is book two in the series. Amazon loves series. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't know about your kids, but my kids are reading, you know, uh, almost every book they're reading is like one series of after another. It's like yeah. 10 books in a series. And so Amazon knows this and, and they know it's a, you know, huge revenue maker for them. And so they promote your, your book that way. Um, so I think once you've established yourself, there are ways that you can you know, move beyond these basic techniques. Yeah, uh, outstanding. Uh, great information. Uh, again, if you want to to know how, how to get your book written and get it up on Amazon, check out episode 97. You can just go to entrearchitect.com slash episode 97. Uh, this is episode 99, uh, one more to 100. Um, and uh, Eric, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate uh, all of this information uh, in all of these field guide series. Uh, I'm sure we'll do more in the future. Uh, sure. I'm looking forward to learning more about your third book. Um, your studio is 30 by 40 design workshop. You can go to 30 by 40.com. That's all spelled out uh, on Twitter at Eric Reinhold. That's E R E R I C R E N R E I N H O L D T Eric Reinhold. <laughs> Got it. Um, thanks. Thanks for uh, sharing your knowledge here on the entree architect podcast. Happy to do it. Yeah, the next volume, uh, Architect and Entrepreneur Volume 2, comes out November 30th. So I hope everybody will pick it up and, and learn more you know, about these topics and techniques, ways to hack your practice. Excellent. November 30th. Uh, watch the blog. Watch social media. You'll definitely be seeing it, uh, both from Eric and myself. So, uh, Eric, thanks again. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. Good talking with you. We're growing here at Entree Architect, and it only happens with your help. So share a link to this episode. Go to your email right now and send a link to all of your friends. EntreeArchitect.com slash episode 99. Do it right now. Send an email to all of your architect friends. Put it on Twitter. Put it on Facebook. I see your tweets. I see your posts on Facebook. And I thank you so much for supporting me. And I appreciate all of the support that you give me and for helping me spread the word, and I thank you. Complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 99. Yes, number 99. What comes after 99? That's right. Episode 100 is coming up next week. Do not miss it. It features you, the Entree Architect community. Do not miss it. It is going to be an excellent episode and a great way to not miss that episode or any blog article, everything from Entree Architect is to subscribe to my weekly newsletter. It's free. And you can do that at entrearchitect.com slash newsletter. I share a weekly letter from me to you with links to everything that we're doing here at Entree Architect every week, every Friday afternoon. It drops in your e inbox and you have everything you need. Get a little message from me before the weekend. You get a link to the blog. You get a link to the podcast. What could be better? So sign up at entrearchitect.com slash newsletter. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect and I encourage you to share what you know. I'll see you next week and thank you very much for listening.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that, (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.